growing up, I had uh, a friend of mine uh, that I went to school with, and we would have been the absolute best of friends, but he and his family lived about 40 minutes away from where I lived. And uh, still, you know, managed to drive to school every day from, from that far. But uh, he wasn't, he went to a different church and didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him, uh, mainly because of the distance uh, and the fact that I was in ninth grade and couldn't drive yet. Uh, but one day, ninth grade was, was almost over. It was toward the end of, of, of that year. And he finally decides to, to tell us, um, me and, and some of our other friends, he says, so we found out that we are moving and I'm now going to live eight minutes away from your house, which was awesome news. And not only that, but also because they were going to live so close by, he said, I'm now going to start going to the congregation that you attend, which was even better news. And so I was so excited about this. And uh, I'd already been good friends with him. And of course, I knew his family really well. And uh, because he ended up moving so close, then uh, we became even better friends. Um, he's still one of my really good friends to this day. Uh, and I even refer to his family as my second family. Um, now, it's not because of the amount of time that I spent there that I knew how close I was to this family. I knew how close I was to this family because of one fact. And it was that I was completely comfortable and had full access to their refrigerator. That's how I knew. Because any time that I went over there, I'd go and I'd hang out and we'd be, you know, uh, playing a game or watching something or on the computer and, and I'd say, mmm, I want some ice cream. And so I'd walk over into the kitchen and I'd open up the freezer and there it was, uh, a bunch of Bluebell vanilla ice cream and I would just get it down and make a bowl full of it and just continue on uh, with, with our hangout session. And, and I got to where I was pretty sure that his mom actually stocked the fridge with the stuff that I liked, which was that, and sometimes I got orange juice, and uh, there was a time where I just really liked grapes, and so they would make sure there were a bunch of grapes in there. I think she stocked it just for me for all the times that I came over. But uh, I knew and I, and I felt comfortable there. Uh, not just because of the fridge, but that was a really good indicator because I, I, I was able to just go in and get whatever I wanted. And if you think about that, um, that probably has some similarities in your life as well. Um, how close you might be to someone, maybe not. Uh, I, I don't really know how it works uh, you know, once you, you know, grow up even more. Uh, but... Uh, it might be a good indicator depending on how comfortable you are being in their refrigerator. Uh, but I say all of that to, to say this. Typically there is a, a fine line in our relationships with other people that we're able to, to understand and, and be able to identify. Um, if you look at a particular family or a particular person, um, even you know, within our congregation, you might be able to look at that person and say, 
Um, no, you know, we're more of acquaintances. We're kind of on this side of it. Uh, or you could look at them and say, oh yeah, we're, we're very good friends. Um, usually when we look at someone, we're, we're really able to say, you know, I'm, on, I'm more of an acquaintance or I'm more of a friend to them. Uh, kind of similar to that. Uh, when I talk to them, when I'm around them, I'm more cordial. Whereas for these people, I'm more comfortable. Typically, we see this uh, kind of line in our relationships where we see the difference between uh, those that we're close to and those that we, we may uh, have a little bit more distance between us. And we see that in relation to maybe how cordial or how on the surface we are uh, in, in comparison to how comfortable or how deep we really get with those people. If you will, turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. In the book of Revelation, of course, there's a a lot of uh, very interesting, very at times confusing stuff. Um, And that's actually what we are studying in the teen class currently. Uh, We are slowly making our way through. Uh, But... We're not going to talk about any of that. I want to look at uh, chapters 2 and 3. We see these letters, or we see these, uh, these particular uh, words or things that are being addressed to specific churches. John is writing what is being said by the Lord. And in the book of Revelation, this is being given by God uh, to John. And so, uh, through John, the Lord is addressing the seven churches. And this is taking place, uh, it's believed that Revelation takes place in about 90 to 95 A.D., uh, roughly 60 years or so uh, after the death um, and the resurrection of Christ. And so, about 60 years after Christ, we now see that the Lord is, is basically speaking to these seven churches. And uh, we're not going to read it verse by verse, but I want to just kind of tell you a little bit of what e- each church or some of these churches are being told. Ephesus specifically, uh, they are being praised for their endurance, uh, for being able to, to continue um, to, to stay uh, afloat in the middle of, of persecution and the things that are around them. But at the same time, God reminds them of the love for Christ that they had that's now fading. Uh, he tells them that the, the love they had for Christ is not w- what it used to be. For Pergamum, the church in Pergamum, uh, we see that they are holding fast to the name of Christ. But there were false teachings that were also taking place within the church. In Thyatira, we see them being praised for their love and their faith and their service. But they were also tolerating sinful living within the church and accepting it and, and kind of overlooking it. And then Sardis, the church in Sardis, some of those were were said to have been walking in the light. But many were uh, identified as having a a dead faith, a faith without any works. You see, many of these churches were given both good and bad instruction. Uh, Many of them were were told, you know, here's something you're doing good, continue in that. 
and here's something that you're not really doing so well. Here's something that needs to be fixed. Here's something that needs to be improved. And so we see uh, this good and bad instruction. And, and honestly, for some of them, uh, it's just bad. If you can remember uh, and look back at the church in Laodicea, uh, they did not have really anything good that, that the Lord said about them. Um, they were identified, you might remember them as this lukewarm church, this church that was going to be spit uh, out of the mouth. They were defined uh, by what the Lord told them to be wretched and pitiable and blind. I want you to understand this. These, these people that are receiving this instruction, these were churches. This was not a, a city and, and, and God was saying, oh, this city is bad, but there's good in it, meaning the church. No, he was speaking directly to these churches. These churches had both good things about them and negative things about them as well. And he was instructing them to fix these things. You see, these churches were making some mistakes. They were getting it right, but they were getting it wrong too. And so after all of this, after God says, you know, here's what you're doing right, here's what you're doing wrong, what is then His instruction to them after all of this? Is it that He tells them, you're not doing it right, so we're, we're going to have to close your doors. We're going to have to shut all of this down because... You're messing up. You're not doing everything exactly the way that I need you to, so uh, I'm going to need you to, to stop. No, that's not what happens. In Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 19, and this is actually written to the church in Laodicea, that church that, that could not get anything right. Beginning in verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Shut it down? No. No. What the Lord says to, to these churches, even to Laodicea, is to take these words to heart. To, to learn from what I'm telling you and to move forward. To be able to understand these flaws and be strengthened by this word and move forward. You see, God is showing love in His discipline much like as a, a father would show to his children. In fact, the Bible even, even says that specifically. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12, we see this exact idea. For the Lord reproves him whom He loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. 
we see here that God is, is reproving, is, is disciplining these churches, but is doing it because He loves these churches. Much like as a father loves his children. You see, we are a church. We are the body. A lot of times I think, and even though we, you know, we kind of talk about this from time to time, I think we still think of the word church as an event. Or we think of the word church as this building. But we have to understand that it's, it's neither of those things. It's not an event that takes place. It is not still just standing here while everyone leaves. It is people. We are a church. We are the church. We are a people. And we are the body. But not only that, we are a family. And God views this church, whether you're, you're looking at the church that was established in the first century, whether you're looking at one of these churches in 90 AD, or you're looking at the church in 2018, God still views His church as His children. And we have to recognize that we are a family. Galatians chapter 6 Beginning in verse 9, it says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The household of faith. That is us. How strange would this be? I want to kind of kind of ask you about this weird scenario. I want you to kind of put yourself in this scenario. How strange would it be if you went into your own house and you didn't feel comfortable going into your own refrigerator? How weird would it be if, if you walked into your own house and you still kind of felt like just a, a guest that was walking in? Where you kind of, you know... You had to kind of wait at the door and allow someone to invite you in to your own house. And then you walk in and you don't want to sit down because, you know, it, it, you're not allowed to just make that decision on your own. And you've got to wait till somebody says, uh, go ahead, you know, have a seat. And then you sit down and you, you just don't feel comfortable in your own home. You walked around the whole time like you didn't even live there. How, how strange would that be? How uncomfortable would it be to not have that place where you feel like home. How do you feel here? How do you feel as a part of, of this church? Does it feel a lot like if you were to walk into a house that you don't own? Where you're afraid to, to, to really make a move or you're afraid to, to really feel comfortable? Or do you feel similar to, to when you walk through your own front door? You see, we can't feel at home when we feel like a visitor. 
We have to feel like family. And that doesn't just apply to, to our own house. That applies to here. That applies to, to this church, to this body of people. We can't feel like we're at home. We can't feel like we're a part of this family when we still feel like we are a visitor. This year, the elders have put a, a lot of, I would say, a lot of extra attention into us beginning this year uh, invigorated, to, to kind of have this uh, feeling of renewal as we start 2018. And last Sunday, during, of course, the last day of 2017, uh, we discussed our theme for this year, which is inward and outward and upward. Um, we've done a few other things to kind of uh, make this transition into the year, new year a little more noticeable. Um, we have, uh, of course, a new logo. Um, many of you were either pleasantly surprised or absolutely horrified to find out we have a new bulletin layout. Uh, but we do, um, and it's, it's something new, and it's something for us to kind of recognize that, that we are restarting this new year. And along with all of this, uh, it doesn't just end there. Along with all of this, uh, the elders have actually decided to, to set before us uh, these five goals for this new year. Now, I will go ahead and tell you that it is not like the instruction given to these seven churches. Um, it is not as, as scary. It is not as um, uh, correcting. But it is instruction. And these things will take work. This will require us to do more. This will require us to to possibly at times get a little bit more out of our comfort zone. Before this upcoming year, we have five goals that have been set, and, and I want to share those with you this morning. The first goal is to improve our communication among the congregation. When you enter this building... We want you to feel connected. We want you to, to be able to be comfortable enough here to open the fridge. And no, I'm not literally talking about you coming in and opening the refrigerators here. But I want you, we want you to feel comfortable enough to feel like your family here. And that requires a lot out of all of us. It requires all the other people around you to, to make more effort, to be able to, to communicate with, uh, not only amongst themselves, but with you. But also, it requires you. Because just like everybody else needs to be able to make those connections and, and be able to, uh, to relate and, and talk and discuss and, uh, and, and be a part of the family, it requires you as well. This year we want to make it a point to improve our communication all throughout 
the congregation. Going hand in hand with that first goal, our second goal is to encourage spiritual development for all members. Not only do we want you here and to feel connected to to other people, but we want you to be utilized. How can you help strengthen other people? What are you capable of doing that, that someone else isn't able to do? What are you able to do in your life to help strengthen the lives of others? How can you be utilized, whether that's through, uh, through our classes, through uh, for our men being able to, to, to lead in some way, or anyone being able to take on a, a role of service, what can you do to be utilized? And not only that, what do you need in your life to be strengthened by other people? What can other people that are a part of this congregation, that are a part of this family, what can they do for you? And I hope that you are not afraid to ask for help. This doesn't need to be a place where we hide things from each other because of embarrassment, because of pride, because of selfish ideas. We need to be there for each other. We need to open up to one another. And if we need help, we need to tell our family about it. Number three, we want to increase evangelism beyond our walls. You see, sharing the gospel is not an optional part of being a child of God. It's not optional. It's something that we all need to do and must do. And maybe, uh, maybe you don't feel comfortable doing that. Maybe you uh, don't feel like you are strong enough in your own personal faith to be able to step forward and, and share your faith with other people and share the gospel with other people. If you don't feel comfortable, let's work on that. Because you may be the one thing that can connect this one person to Christ. You may be able to reach people that no one else is able to reach. We have to recognize how important it is for us to share the gospel with other people. And we have to increase our evangelism beyond our walls. The fourth goal, we want to promote scholarship for each and every member. Normally when I hear scholarship, I think of uh, free money for college. Um, That's how I've been programmed to, to think. But that's not what scholarship here is referring to. Scholarship is this idea of, of learning. This idea of simply gaining in our knowledge. And with the help of, excuse me, the, the Word has been given to us. The Word of God has been provided to us from our God. 
along with the purpose that we have in this life. And as we go throughout, uh, as we go throughout our classes, as we spend time here together, sure, we, we are learning together. But we need to, to take that even further. Whether that's not just spending time here, but, but outside of the building, or even at home studying and reading. One of the things that, uh, that, that we're about to start uh, for several of our teens, uh, we are actually beginning a, uh, a daily Bible reading, and we're going to, to do our absolute best to go from beginning to end and read the entire Bible. And what I've done is uh, I've kind of put together uh, the different passages that we're going to read uh, each day, uh, five days a week, in order to get from beginning to end. And uh, we're going to be sending those out through text. And I want to go ahead, and I know this is kind of in the middle of our sermon, but I want to go ahead and invite you, if you want to be a part of that, let me know. Um, If you want these sent to you, they'll be sent to you every week of what you'll read um, during five of of the seven days of the week uh, in order to to make it from beginning to end, reading through the whole Bible. Uh, But I'm excited about doing this all together. But this is just one of the ways that we can work toward promoting scholarship, that we can work toward working together and learning together. And finally, our our fifth goal is that we want to continue to set and to monitor these goals with the help of of our elders. We need to be reminded of, of what we are striving for. And of course, it would be really easy for us to to be all focused on this and then uh, immediately forget these five goals. But we're not going to, we're not going to let you forget these. Um, what we've actually done is um, we have purchased, and, and it is actually on its way now, uh, we've purchased uh, something that will be on display um, out in the foyer um, and kind of throughout the church that's going to, uh, in a big way, remind you of these five goals. So every time that that you come and that you join us and uh, that you meet here, you will be reminded of of these five goals and these five things that that we're striving for during this year. You see, we need every family member involved. Because we are all very different people. We have our similarities, but we have our vast differences. And some of us are in our teens. Some of us are in our 80s. Some of us have uh, have a decent amount of time on our hands. Some of us uh, literally feel like we're in a car going from one place to another nonstop. But no matter, no matter your life or the things that are going on, there are some things that you can accomplish that no one else can. There are ways that you can be utilized, that you can be used within this family 
that other people are not capable of. There are people that you can connect to. There is knowledge that you possess. There is a unique mind and heart within you. And we need every single family member to be involved in these goals. To be involved in these goals and to be involved in being a part of this family. Ephesians chapter 4, we read this earlier this morning, but I want to just look at the last couple of verses, beginning in verse 15. But speaking, in, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are not a group of, of individuals that are here to, to pay attention to our God a couple of times a week. We are not uh, a bunch of people that are at an event that is called church. We are not people that are in a building that is called church. We are the church. We are the body. We are a family. And we've got to get comfortable. And we've got to see how necessary it is for us to be a family, for us to be comfortable with each other, for us to treat each other like family. I believe that growth is what occurs when we all understand that we need each other. And a week from today... I will be at one of my favorite places ever. And yet, it is not the location. Um, we are taking a, a very uh, large group uh, full of our teens and some of our young adults and some parents, uh, and we are going to Gulf Shores. But this is our Connect Retreat. And this is, this is a time that, uh, that I look forward to more than, than anything else. And I actually want to share a, a photo with you. This is something that I, uh, I posted this last year uh, from our, our last retreat that we did uh, just about a year ago. And this is an incredible weekend that we have and, and just thinking about how close we are to doing this again makes me so excited. But it's not one of my favorite places because it's at the beach. I, I really don't care where it is to be honest. It is so special to me and it's one of my favorite places because it is family. And this group right here understands that 
that we can't do this on our own. Everyone understands as, as we leave this retreat, we understand that this life, this idea of doing everything we can for our God, for our Lord, it cannot be done by ourselves. And that is the purpose of the church. That is what the church is for. It is to strengthen the body. It is to work together so that we may inherit eternal life. You see, these seven churches that we talked about earlier, they could have chosen to, to, to hear what God told them and, and ignore it. They could have chosen to, uh, to hear these things and say, well, you know, we're doing what we can, so we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing. Or, these churches heard what they heard, they were told the things that were written to them, and they took a step forward. They made those changes, they made those corrections, they aimed toward these goals and this instruction that was given to them, and they worked to grow closer to their God. These five goals that we've been given... These are our family goals. And that's actually what we have titled them, our family goals. But I want you to understand that this requires you. It requires every single one of us to take a step forward and make that happen. I'm quite aware that I, I, I don't do a, a perfect job here. I have made my mistakes. I, I, I mess up. And I know that I can do better. And so for 2018, I am committed to these goals. I'm committed to these goals because I love our God, and because I love you. Because I love this church and because this church is my family. My final question for you this morning, what will you do this year with your family? And no, I'm not talking about your your actual blood relative nuclear family. I'm talking about this family that you are with right now. What will you do this year with your family? I hope that you will make it a point to, to get comfortable. I hope you will feel like you have full access to the fridge. I hope you feel like you are a part of the body and a part of this family. And I hope that you will strive toward these goals that the elders have set before us with me.
This will take time. It takes time to get comfortable. But I hope that you will make that effort. And I hope that we together can work toward achieving these goals of improving our communication, of encouraging spiritual development, increasing our evangelism, promoting scholarship, and monitoring all of these goals together. Maybe you are here this morning and you don't feel comfortable. It's possible that that you feel much like a visitor here. You've been here for, for a long time, but you've never really felt comfortable. And you want to be a part of God's family. You want to identify and grow closer to Him and grow closer to the church. Or maybe you haven't yet made the decision to be a part of God's family and you need to be baptized into Christ and join His family. Whatever it may be, we invite you to come forward now as we stand. Break my heart, dear Lord, or not, but next Sunday, uh, we'll have Justin Maynard and his wife. They're doing some missionary work in Tanzania, Africa, and we do support Justin 
in that effort. And he'll be here and we'll have